Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. The first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. I'm your host, Nick Williams, and this week's show is brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All righty, guys, welcome back to 2023's final Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report episode. We're taking a little time off this week to hang out with family and friends, so this week we'll be recapping some highlights from the most downloaded episodes of the year. Before we get started, I'd like to take a moment and thank all of our listeners for tuning in each week, and of course, all of the awesome contributors that everybody knows are the real talent on this show. If you're listening in this week, I hope you all had a very, very Merry Christmas and are getting ready for a Happy New Year. This time we're with Clayton Batts. He is a pro angler and a guide off of the Chattahoochee River system. And he's also a, a big time deer and duck hunter from what he was just telling me. Clayton, how you doing this evening? Pretty good. Just got out the water. I drove, I left the Potomac River for MLF Invitational on Sunday. I missed the cut by like eight ounces. Drove back Sunday, drove half a day Monday. I made it home. I left the house this morning at five o'clock. And I just finished up probably 25 minutes ago today, and then I get to start back. I have another day off, and then I'll start back Thursday, Friday, and finish the week off. Man, that's that's making me uh, tired just hearing about it. Did y'all get any of that rain been sweeping through the south here? We have. The river is a little bit stained up the river from coming down. Uh, south end of the lake still looks good. It's clear. The north end has not muddied up enough to really affect the offshore fish. They're still there. Uh, and obviously the south end, it didn't, it's still clean, so the fish are still there too. But they're still out there on the ledges. They're waiting to be caught. I ran two trips today. First trip was a little four-hour trip. We caught 17 or 18. This afternoon it was a six, but they were tired after four. And we probably caught 23 or 24. They were generating this afternoon, so it made it a little bit better. That's yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a great trip. How many guys are you taking out if you're going out there and catching two dozen bass? Is that between you take usually two clients, three, or it's two clients, and then like when we pull up to a wad of them after I idle over and look at them on those lower answers, I'll pull up there and I'll cast out there a couple times, catch one just to kind of you know show them there's fish there, and then I'll sit down and normally I just sit there and wait on them to catch one and I'll unhook it. We'll take a picture, do whatever we want to do, and then they're back at them again. Man, that's that's awesome. If you got just two guys going out there and catching all them fish, that sounds like a good time. So how uh explain to me a little bit and, and to our viewers. So I'm I'm fairly proficient at shallow water bass and I've got electronics on my boat, but that that's something I don't have the same amount of confidence in as I have in other areas of fishing. How how are you finding them deeper? What you call them ledge fish? Kind of walk me through that if you don't mind. It's a lot of seat time. That's what there's tournaments going on. There's a high school when they're going on this weekend. And I try to tell them and a bunch, the ones that do good, they will do it. The ones that don't good, do good. They, they fish. You got to come up here and you're practicing for a tournament and it's hard to do. It's basically, I know it's a high school. They come up here. They want to fish. 
but there's no need for you to go out there and win practice. They'll go out there and find three or four places, and they'll be all jacked up thinking they're going to do real good. They'll blast off, and if they got a good boat number, they might get on one of them. But if not, they'll be boats sitting on their stuff, and they have nowhere to go. Right. Where instead of them idling the whole time, finding as many as they can find, either sitting on one or rotating through, that's the decision they have to make. But that seat time in that seat, when you idle over them on that uh, graph, it's not lying to you. If you see them down there, there's fish down there. It don't just make stuff up. And that's the biggest thing I try to tell people is leave those rods either in the hotel room, the cabin, wherever you're staying, or either put them in the rod locker and lock the key in there and leave it in your truck. You've <laughs> got to spend a lot of time staring at those graphs, looking at those lower ranches, what they're saying, marking the schools, and have enough where you can go fish a tournament. Man, I, I like what you're saying there. I relate to that as a deer hunter. I tell people all the time, like, if you're not getting on deer, scout, even if it's the middle of the season, like you said, leave leave your rod at home, leave your gun at home, go out there, walk your property, or or drive the lake. And that's, that's something I really struggle with, and, and I'm sure a lot of guys, too, because you always press for time. You know, like, I just started, started a new job, and you get a new kid, and, like, I went fishing Sunday, uh, and it was the first time I'd been in two months. So I know that's a... I know that's hard for a lot of guys to go out there and, and quote unquote waste a day scouting, but it, it really is. You're right. Like that's, you know, very important. Like you can't really fish if you not, if you don't know where fish are, you know? Right. I mean, and it's, and it's different kind of different. If you're out there fun fishing and you've marked them before and you're looking, then do it. But like I was trying to explain to a couple of them of a previous tournament that came here. If you go grab eight hours a day and say you fit, I'm just going to break it down kind of easy and you grab, for um, this is extreme because most of them don't grab this much. You grab seven hours out of those eight, and then you don't grab. If you fish for an hour, well, you can idle roughly. You know, I'm gonna do probably ballpark five miles an hour is what you idle. Mm. Well, that one hour you fished, you missed idling five miles on that lake. In those five miles, you could find two schools. You could find another ten. That's ten more places you would have in a tournament. And it's hard to get a bunch of the kids and even some of the older people to realize how much seat time it takes finding these places. And even when saying that, like you would not, you'd be amazed. And it is a lot of, it's a lot, a lot of the high school kids that they like the short way there. And I'm not putting them down by no means. Cause I'm glad they're on the water and not sitting there behind a iPad or playing a video game. You know, I'm glad they're out there fishing but a bunch of them try to do that shortcut. Well, they'll ride down the lake and they'll see where people are fishing on ledges. They mark them and they come back, look, or they just come back and fish it because they don't know how to grab. Right. But yeah. I've taken some kids and there's some of their dads. They understand it. They want their kid to go out there and learn how to grab, how to idle ledges, how to fish set up, then how you set up when you fish those fish. Those are the kids that could do good. And I try to explain it to all of them. I had one dad not long ago. He wanted me to just run spot to spot and try to show his son where to fish. I told him, I said, sir, I'm not going to do that. I said, that's like him walking into a math test and the teacher having the answers written on the board and him writing them on a piece of paper and say, look, dad, I made 100. That's not right. He's not learning anything. It's not going to happen now and it ain't going to happen later on in life. That's, that's a really good way of, of thinking about it. And you kind of uh... – you kind of putting the conviction on my heart personally that uh, I probably need to spend a little bit more time this summer riding than, than throwing. 
what do you do? What's your strategy? So, so once you've done that and you've, and you've graphed, like say that you do go to fish for that last hour, you graph for seven and, and you fish for one. We always try to cover for our, for our listeners, you know, who are, who are going out this weekend. What's the first thing that you're throwing right now? What's your, what's your go-to once you find fish on a graph? What's the first thing that comes to your mind that you throw at them? Two times a day, like in the mornings and in the afternoon, like right now, I just looked at it. They're pulling 25,000 right now, cubic feet a second, which is a good bit for like you follow. When they're generating current like that, you can get away with a bunch of the fun stuff, like a big Jinko crankbait, a Jinko trimmer head, a big spoon, like the fun stuff to throw. And you can get away with that in the first thing in the morning also. But during the middle of the day, when you pull up on one, you better be dragging a drop shot, a shaky head, because they're, they're just out of that, ne- that, they're in that negative feed mode during the middle of the day because they're wait- either they fed that morning or they're, they're waiting on the current that afternoon. So you really have to slow down and kind of put something in their face that they want to eat. I think, I think that's a good tip. I was just talking with uh, William Davis just now, talking about uh, fishing for spotted bass over there on the Tacusa Talapusa, and that's, that's something that he threw out there too was a, uh, was a shaky head. Yeah, here, and I use, I mean, even if I'm out there in 20 feet of water, I use a lighter shaky head than a bunch of people. And I'm, I'm lucky enough that I spend a lot of time out here guiding. I put a lot of clients in the boat, and I'm able to, they'll bring stuff to throw, and I'll let them throw it. And I'm able to give a, one of the other guys to say, if I got two people, I'll give him a bait that I use. And I'm able to see the difference in the bites between throwing two very similar baits, maybe with just, a little bit of a weight difference or a little bit of a worm difference. I mean, they're throwing in the same place. And if one guy's getting five or six bites to one, there's something different and something they like better about it. But going back to the shaky head, I throw a lighter, I throw a quarter out shaky head. You get a bunch of people that come out here and they'll drag that three quarter ounce football head with a big worm on it. That quarter out shaky head, I kick that guy's butt every time. <laughs> why, why do you think that is? There's no action on it. It's just, when they're not generating any water, there's no action on it. That quarter ounce shaky head, even with the wind or the slightest movement down there, that worm is still moving. It looks more natural. So you you talking about dragging it on the bottom? Yeah. How 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 deep are we talking about? You talking fairly deeper fishing, right? Yeah, on the ledges. It just and that's another question I get is how deep are they or how deep are the ledges? It's any depth the ledge is. You have some ledges out there that are 12 foot that have fish on it. You got some that are 25, some that are 28, some that are 15. It's just however deep that ledge is, is where they're going to be sitting. But there's a hard spot. There's a little current break. There's something there that they like, and it's a good feeding spot for them to sit. So what, do you have any tips? Like if you're throwing a quarter ounce head, which is fairly light, and you're fishing, sounds like 15 to 30 feet deep. I, I imagine a lot of guys... I'm kind of one of them. Like I struggle sometimes knowing, okay, well that lure's got contact with the bottom, right? And I'm dragging it through mud or I'm dragging it over a stump or whatever. You got any tips for, for how to really get a good feel for what's going on with, with that lure that deep in the water? Yeah, I throw everything like that. I throw on a spinning rod and I'm throwing it on 10 pound power pro with a 10 or 12 pound leader on it. That braid and those Shimano rods, you can feel the bottom. And even when I throw a drop shot, a bunch of people, they'll show up here. I do drop shot a little different. I throw a half ounce weight on it, so there's no problem feeling the bottom. I got you. 
Well, I think uh, I think that's definitely some good tips for this weekend. If if somebody played, if somebody wanted to get up with you, and uh, if they're still struggling with it, or if, if they want to get with somebody and potentially go out there on the lake and, and learn what you know about about reading that sonar, what's what's a good way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, they can look on website. It's lakeyfallfishingguide.com. It's the same thing on Facebook, or they can give me a call at 334-310-8338. All right. Well, guys, y'all heard it. That is Clayton Batts. He is the man up there on Lake Eufaula. Y'all be sure to check him out. And Clayton, I appreciate having you on the podcast. Yes, sir. I appreciate y'all. All right. Yes, sir. You take care. All right, guys, that's another awesome report. Y'all just listened to Clayton Bats talk uh, ledge fishing and sonar use out there on the Chattahoochee River systems. Uh, we're going to wrap that report up. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to talk about some of our sponsors who help keep this show free for you guys. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by the East Tennessee Fishing Show and Expos back this year, January 25th to the 28th at the Knoxville Expo Center on Clinton Highway. The East Tennessee Fishing Show is the largest fishing show in the South, and this year will be featuring more dealers, more vendors, and more exhibits than ever before, all under one roof. Whether you fish for bass, crappie, trout, or walleye, if you fish, you won't want to miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, and apparel. Come check out Custom Tackle, Lures, Rods, Reels, Electronics, and Guides, January 25th through the 28th. Tickets are only $12 for adults and $8 for kids 6 and above. Kids 5 and younger can attend for free. Tickets are available online or at the door, and the parking is also free. Learn more at EastTennesseeFishingShow.com. Also brought to you by Dixie Supply. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks offer numerous items to help get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles and your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building design. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or to get a free estimate today. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. Guys, for our guest, we got Kyle Reeves with ATX Lures. Kyle, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Man, I'm just sitting here proud of air conditioning. So I know I say it on every show, it seems like, but I'm more than ready for that fall to get here. So, oh yeah, you and me both. That's it. You uh, you ever mess with teal? Any blue wing teal season? No, not not a whole lot. Growing up, I um I duck hunted a lot. Actually, you know, down in Macintosh through River Lake. Um, but yeah. it was all mainly wood ducks because that's kind of what's around in that area so, so that's what i that's what i did growing up but i haven't done it. any in a while though that's it well just don't start this year because we was out scouting this morning and by <laughs> seven o'clock it was hotter than hades and we'd seen three birds oh so. yeah three, three oh, birds yeah. between yeah, three dudes don't make much of a shoot so no not at all <laughs> well you you was talking about thorough mcintosh you was just telling me off air that that you were actually from leroy and funny to say because leroy in a big place and it's hard to find two people from it at the same time but i actually spent a few years in there growing up right there off of uh 43 not far from the tom bigby bridge kinda, okay kinda, yeah. yeah so we we kind of know the same stomp, stomping grounds a little bit but then you was telling me you've kind of been all over the southeast haven't you Yep. Yeah, I have. So yeah, I grew up, grew up in Leroy, graduated Leroy High School back in 2006. You know, as you said, it's a small place. So I, you know, lived off the steam plant road down, you know, going that way right across from the high school. So when I graduated from there, I went to University of Alabama. Um, when I graduated from there in 2011, I actually moved to Austin, Texas for work. So I was out there for about eight years. And that's where I actually started my company, ATX Lure Company, um, and the ATX, kind of that's where it got the name from Austin, Texas. 
that's kind of what everybody in that area calls, you know, ATX or Austin is ATX. So I uh, started the company there back in 2017 as, you know, it was really just a hobby because, you know, I always grew up fishing, you know, being from Leroy in that area, you know, we always fished, but I was, you know, started crappie fishing a lot more, even so more than I did in, in Alabama when I was out there. And um, I got to thinking, you know, as I was using all the, you know, the jigs and the soft plastics that I would go buy, I was like, you know, I can, I bet I can make these and I can make whatever color I want and I won't have to, you know, buy a hundred packs <laughs> of stuff. So, so that's kind of how it started, started as a hobby, you know, kind of giving out to some friends and, you know, they were all liking them and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try to, you know, sell a, sell a few of these. And you know, obviously Facebook has been huge, you know, then, and, you know, started kind of selling them on social media and it kind of grew from there. And then in about in 2018, I moved um, to Georgia. So I live just north of Atlanta um, in Cumming, Georgia. It's right beside Lake Lanier, if anybody's familiar with the lakes over here in Georgia, um, North Georgia area. So moved here back in 2018, and I've been here since. You know, in the past couple of years, I've kind of decided to try to make it more of a more of a small business instead of a hobby and kind of see where it goes. So that's kind of, kind of where I am today. Sure. Well, it seems like you've done real well because I know uh, you stay in stock, and I, I know Miss Becky over at Boutwell Bait and Tackle down the road from me. I know she carries your stuff. I know that uh, Hunter Sullivan over at River Legends carries it, Mount Vernon Outdoors. So you're starting to kind of to sneak your way in to the scene, it seems like, which is pretty impressive seeing as how, you know, old, old Bobby Garland and uh, them kind of got the corner on the market and have for a long time. So it's good to see uh, somebody from Leroy sneaking in on that market. Oh, yeah. For people who are out there looking to, to maybe try some of your lures, and, and this is a personal question, too. I'm always interested. Do you have a go-to color that you throw, or does it really vary a whole lot depending on the time of the year and what body of water you're fishing? I'm more of a creature habit like a lot of people, right? So I do have my top two or three colors that I will always use, um, whether the water is stained, whether it's clear. They, they kind of work everywhere. Um, and it just so happens that they are, are you know, my best sellers. Um, imagine that too right so but it's actually you know the bluegrass color um and then i have like a mon the monkey milk with the green tail color uh, monkey milk chartreuse works as well any kind of yellow chartreuse or green chartreuse tails and then there's also a color it's called D d2d special um that's on the website um is actually someone that fishes lake talquin in tallahassee a lot that's kind of where his home lake is and he had, you know, he had some colors that he wanted me to make because, you know, that's one thing that, you know, definitely varies from Bobby Garland and things out there is, you know, I can make, you know, a lot of custom colors and things like that. It can't, you know, pretty much whatever anybody can think of. So I made some for him and it just kind of blew up and more and more people wanted to buy them. And I finally, you know, started making it and put it on the website and, and it's a really good color. I will use it all the time and it works, works great. Um, it's kind of like a green pumpkin with a, um, like a chartreuse silver flake bottom kind of thing so it's like a two color um laminate as they call them uh but those three colors you know are are our best sellers as well as it's what i use majority of the time and i use them in clear water and stained water it doesn't doesn't really matter yeah yeah i know uh what you're describing there that dvd special that sounds like a color i don't know what the equivalent is in the uh the bobby garland and the mr crappie lures but i know i use that a lot and then there's a monkey milk is is always a strong one for me i've always got that in my tackle box that's that's always right there like yeah. you said in your top two or three favorites and then uh i don't know what it is but down here i'm a big believer in the uh the electric chicken kind of kind of that that chartreuse green mixed with a little bit of pink i don't yep. know why i think it's yep. i think it's like you said it's funny that you say that those are your favorites and they're your best sellers i'm a big believer <laughs> that 
a lot of yep. it boils down to confidence, whether you're pitching it to fish or pitching it to other people, you know? Exactly. Well, yeah, that too. And, you know, down in that area, you know, the past six months, is it, or is it ever since the start of the beginning of the year, you know, is, it's been real crazy down in, in the Delta area that are buying, you know, these plastics and stuff. And it's, it's been, you know, I, what I call, and if anybody, you know, follows, especially dip and, you know, the other people around the area, it's orange crush is the color that I have that I could not keep them in stock in, you know, the stores that are around in that area. That's what everybody was buying. Um, and it's like a bright orange with a chartreuse tail. And it was like the most popular color that anybody could buy and get their hands on down there. It was, it, it was crazy. Yep. I had several colors. So I actually wrote, wrote an article a while back for a Currents, which is the Mobile Baykeepers publication that they send out. Uh -huh. I interviewed Miss Becky down there at Boutwells for it, and that came up in conversation. I mentioned that Orange Crush, and I remember talking with Dip about mm -hmm. it. And I, I remember that spike. Like, I remember you could see on the wall where she has your ATX lures, you could see just a hole. And, and she was fussing about not being able to keep them on hand. And, and I'll tell you, I finally got a pack. And I got to fuss it dip because I was throwing the same lure, but I don't know why. I know why, but I'm not going to say why on air. But it, I just I could not catch fish with it the way dip can. I don't know what's wrong. So. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. They would order, you know, double and triple the amount of those as they would, you know, any other color. It was, it was, it was crazy. It it was all over social media too, man. You you saw it wasn't just dip. There were some people who know more about right, crappie fishing right. than I do. I. I talk about fishing for a living and can't catch fish to save my life it seems like some days <laughs> but um, no they were they were tearing them up i think i'm better at making them i think i'm better at making the base than fishing them that's for sure right but see I, I blame it that's the reason i refuse to buy a ford facing sonar because that's my last excuse <laughs> i can be like well i can't right. i just can't compete with them them sonar guys and if i bought one then i would just have to say you know what i just don't know what i'm doing <laughs> that is true that is true i feel that way a lot that's it. Well, do you have, a, I think, if, if I recollect, everything that I've seen on the Wallace has been kind of the old shad imitation type minnow. Is, is that all that you currently offer is the shad imitations? Yeah, so no, I, I have um, other colors. You know, our, our definitely most popular is, you know, like the baby shad style, like the Barbie Garland style. And then I have what my custom design, which is, we, we call it the Wicked Shad. That's basically the shad body with the, the split tail, the twin tails on it. Those are kind of the, the bread and butter of the company that, you know, that we sell the most of and are most popular. But we did recently come out with um, what we call, what I call is, you know, the soft series. So my baits that I currently make, the shad style, they're a lot tougher. They got a harder plastic, but I've also come out with a soft series that's also durable. It's just softer. But it's in, you know, a curl tail style and, you know, the classic kind of the, the hollow tube style as well. You know, it has been around for, for a long time, but everybody still uses them and still loves them. Um, but I did a little bit of softer plastic with those because they, you know, have more action, right? You know, the curl tail, you know, moving through the water has a lot more action. And then the tube with all the little, you know, whatever you want to call the tails on those. But basically, it's it, I'm calling it a softer series because they aren't as hard as my other plastics, but they, you know, they're still durable and they just have a lot more action. So I actually released those um, earlier in the week and they're now on the website. I started out with, I have five colors in the curl tail and it's a two inch curl tail. And then in the tube, it's an inch and three quarter and I have nine colors currently for, for those. Awesome. I like, I like what you say about making them durable, but softer. So I've, I've struggled kind of my whole fishing career would, would go in back and forth between, like you said, the softer ones have more action, which is nice mm -hmm. until you having to constantly 
redo them. You know, you catch a few fish, right. you tear yep. them up, exactly. you put on a new one, you put on a new one. And then I know there's some companies that make them that last a little bit longer, but you sit there and you watch them go through the water and you're like, well, that's not doing anything to make that tail move. Mm-hmm. By the time I'm retrieving it fast enough to make the tail move, them fish ain't going to, I wouldn't chase it if I was a fish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's just kind of how, and how the, like the wicked shad and the baby shad are styles are made. You know, the, those tails don't necessarily have to have a ton of action, but even though it's harder plastic, it still has a good action. Sure. Um, that's going to be a little bit different on like the curl tails with the wider tail and, you know, the tube that has a bunch of little, you know, bunch of the little thin, thin pieces and stuff like that. They need that, you know, that more action to, you know, kind of entice the fish and things like that. Yeah, well, I'm definitely glad to hear that you're coming out with a curly tail because I know in the spring when they're up shallow, uh, I throw a lot of curly tails on a uh, underspin. Mm-hmm. just yeah. kind of pitch and wind and pitch and wind and kind of catch them when they kind of spread up shallow so I'll, I'll definitely be checking those out and give the fire tiger another try and then if that don't work i just i guess i may have to buy some <laughs> forward facing sonar and just eat it so <laughs> yeah you know it's it, it's definitely fun it's you know it can aggravate you more than, than it helps most of the time but you know Crappie are definitely, uh, I've, I've always fished my whole life it hasn't been until about the past two years that I've started getting semi-serious about them and uh, I've I've come to find out it is a whole different ball game, completely different from bass fishing, completely different from bluegill inshore fishing. Like it's it's a mm-hmm. crappie are interesting fish. I'll just leave it at that. So. Yep, that's for sure, and that's that's kind of why you know that's pretty much all the fishing I kind of do now. Um, you know, I grew up obviously by the Tom Bigby, so I grew up catfishing most of the time. You know, on the river, and now I strictly mostly just do crappie, and it's. You know, I don't, I, it's not about trying to catch the biggest fish, although you would love to catch, you know, your three plus pound crappie and stuff. But I mean, it's still not 10 pound bass or anything like that. But I mean, just the, you know, the finesse and what you use to catch, catch them and the light tackle and all that is what, what really, what I enjoy out of it. Absolutely. Well, I'll ask you a question. You don't, you don't by chance make jig heads to go with them, do you? So not at the moment. I will have them. I'm hoping by, november in the next couple of months i will have my own atx line of jig heads now on my website i do currently sell jig heads um they're called dan's jigs they're from um, a guy out of texas i met him when i was in texas and he makes a great product um so i have his stuff on my website currently but in hopefully by you know the end of november or sooner hopefully i will have there will be an atx line of jig heads that i will have come out i'm I'm looking just just for all of our folks who are listening in who may not have heard of dan's jig mm-hmm. heads so i've got them pulled up on the site and uh wow those are really clean looking and the colors and the eyes they, yeah they are, those are yeah they are great quality great quality jig heads for sure they look really um, good. You might you may have just cost me a little bit of money. It seems like this show has a habit of doing that, <laughs> talking with people every week. My wife's gonna make me find a new job because man, that's right. Look good. Oh yeah, I'll get that. Got like the holographic eyes to them. That's awesome. I just learned something new. You know, they're kind of they're called pill heads or they're called aspirin heads. They're kind of called different in different areas, but um, they're you know they have 3D eyes on them. They have you know the sickle type hook. I believe they're eagle claw now with a little wire keeper on the on the back instead of the big lead collar because a lot of my baits are small. You know that lead collar just rips the baits more than that little you know wire keeper that's on the back. So there, I have them anywhere. I'm out of stock on a few now, but I will usually have them anywhere from one eighth ounce up to one thirty second. So that'll be one sixteenth and one twenty fourth as well. 
And then the one eighth ounce is a number two hook and all the others are a number four hook, I believe. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to check some of those out and look forward to seeing what you produce too, because that's, that's something I've noticed is that, uh, just here in the past couple of years, it seems like a lot of folks are really up in the game on, on crappie jig heads. I know for a long time, it was just the old mm-hmm. standard Eagle claws, like you were talking about with that big lead collar that would. Yeah. With all the pain in the eyes and you couldn't put a put a line through it yeah. lord of mercy i can't yeah yeah <laughs> sometimes it would just seem those was about the worst and, and i've found it too with fly fishing you buy cheap flies and you just may as well do it at the house just sit there one evening watching mm-hmm. tv and sit there and ream all of those eyes out and you're just sitting there wondering it's like man surely it couldn't cost y'all that much more clean the paint out of them right Exactly. Yeah. Sticking the hook through the eye and then hook yourself trying to get the That's it. I, that, you look at it and you're like, man, I'd pay an extra five cents per package if y'all would have done this yourselves. <laughs> so, Exactly. That's it. Well, well, folks, definitely y'all be sure to go ahead and check out Kyle's company, ATH Lures. Um, if you're local down here in the Baldwin, Mobile County area, like I said, he's got them in Mount Vernon Outdoors. He's got them over there at River Legends and Citronelle. And then you can go see Miss Becky at Boutwell Bait and Tackle. Check them out. They're good. They're endorsed by our very own Dick McMillan. And uh, Kyle, I appreciate talking with you, and I hope to uh, have you on the show some more in the future, sir. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thanks for reaching out. It was It was awesome. It was a great time, and I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right, guys, again, that was Kyle Reeves with ATX Lures. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and hear some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Hilton's. The days of heading out and blindly looking for good fishing areas are pretty much over. Don't waste time and money on fuel searching for fish. You need the recent highest resolution images to not only know where to go, but where not to go. The knowledge provided by today's technology is critical when planning an offshore fishing trip. Make the choice that professional captains all over the Gulf make and choose Hilton's Real-Time Navigator. The easy-to-use interface and excellent customer service will have you on the fish every time you go. Check it out at hiltonsoffshore.com. All right, guys, today's guest is going to be Jacob Mott. Um, Jacob has been fishing tournaments here for the past four or five years, and he's been tearing them up pretty good, especially this last tournament that he was in. I saw some pictures on social media uh, that made it immediately apparent that I had to give this man a call and figure out what he was doing to catch all these big old fish. So, uh, Jacob, how you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. No, we were we was happy to uh, to find you. So so tell me tell me a little bit about yourself. Kind of kind of give our listeners the 101. I know you've been fishing for a few years. Where do you usually fish at? Well, I'm from Selma, Alabama. I grew up down there fishing on the Alabama River. I moved to the Birmingham area probably seven or eight years ago, and I had to pick up a kayak to fish the Cahaba River. So I did that for a little while, and I started hearing about kayak tournaments, and that just sounded awesome to me. So I've been fishing kayak tournaments since about 2019, and I, I, it's been it's been great. I, I don't know. I, I enjoy every bit of it. The, the exploration, getting to see things that no one else gets to see that's not willing to put in that kind of work. You can launch that kayak anywhere you want to, as long as you have water and you're not trespassing, obviously. Uh, you can fish wherever you want to fish. Absolutely. We were, we was talking a while back with Wayne Harris out there on the Coosa Talapusa Systems, and uh, he was saying the same thing. You just get to fish water that, that nobody else fishes, uh, which which can lead to some really good days, obviously, in your case. So uh, tell me a little bit, how how do you usually approach it? Like, what's what do you start? Um, once you leave the ramp, get your kayak in the water, what are you looking for usually in the, in those little creeks and stuff that you're fishing? <laughs> that's, that's kind of tough. So the, the big thing about it is the time of year is a huge player in that. Summertime is a lot easier. You're simply looking for colder water with a little bit of depth. 
uh, wintertime, it's, if you want to fish running water, you kind of have to get out of the running water. You want to be near the running water, but out of the running water. So typically an eddy pockets or, or a good eddy line or a break right there, some, something to slow down where the fish don't have to swim all the time. But this time of year, if you have moving water, you have fish. For sure. That's, that's my experience down here. I don't, especially on the Delta, because there's so much of the water that's not moving. Uh, we was, we was just talking about, uh, earlier in the show, talking about that, that bathtub water, right? Feels you jump in it, feels like you, right. you drew you a warm bath and hopped in and it'll, it'll make them fish slow down big time. And, uh, I, I have found that here. Some of my best success is getting off the main rivers and going as far up the creek as you can to where it's a little bit cooler from the springs and the rain runoff and, and then it's just almost a matter uh, for me, just finding a, a pocket, you know, if you can find a hole that you can't see down in the bottom of, there's probably a fish at the bottom of it. Is that kind of the same case for you? Just if you can find a good deep hole somewhere, it's usually worth fishing. Yeah. A lot of my better fishing on the Coosa river on the lake system mm-hmm. is finding those pockets that have those little springs that come up and it'll be a hole, you know, no bigger than a trash can, but that colder water coming up holds fish right there on top of it. Sure. What what are you usually if if you come across a pocket like that this time of the year what are you what are you throwing at them? So if I'm throwing and the fish are not directly in a tree or hiding next to a rock, I want to float something by them. Typically, I don't want to hit them right in the head with a jig or or put a six inch weighted worm on top of them. I want to float like a fluke by them and just see how they react to it. If they're aggressive, you know, especially if that first fish is aggressive, a lot of the times you can get most of the fish to react after that. But if you come in and spook them, because they're they're typically not feeding when they're, they're in those positions. They're just in a nice, comfortable place. So you want to just get one fish to react to something, and then you can pick the rest of them off. But if that first move is spooking those fish, you've already ruined your fishing chances. For sure. Yeah, so like you, you're saying, finesse yeah. fishing, slower fishing, it's the same scenario, but they're, they're in the, those fish are in those situations, you know, positioned right there where you want them to be. How doing, so balancing your finesse fishing, requiring some lighter gear versus like you were saying, you've got fish that are up tight next to structure. A lot of times I've found in those small creeks, it can be hard to balance finesse tackle with the ability to horse a fish out of trouble because you don't have a lot of room to let them run, right? Is that is that something you have struggled with and found a solution to? So I, I do my best to never finesse fish. There are when I have to do it, I do it. So if we're talking about uh, blue, clear sky days, you know, sometimes you have to finesse fish. But if I can avoid finesse fishing altogether, I will. And then I'm throwing 65-pound braid on a buzzbait and snatching those fish out of there. Uh, but even throwing smaller jigs, you, you just have to be patient with those fish because once they go to bulldog down into that current and you're over a limb, if you fight them too hard, you've lost them. I have I have lost the last time I went fishing I lost a fish that ex- exactly that happened he was right there on a log and I and I watched him get off I watched him get hung and I watched him get off it was that shallow yeah you, you just have to be patient with them and you know they'll, they'll make a couple of hard runs and then you just slowly pull them and hope they come through but ideally you hit them in the head with something you know with a strong enough line stiff enough rod to pull them out of there right away but that's not always the case. Yeah, and you you said sixty five pound test is what you were fishing with. I want a buzzbait, yeah. Oh goodness, that is that's that stuff that we reserve down here where I'm at for catfish. That's what I got on my catfish rods. I think I got a uh, thirty. You you dead serious about winching them out of something, ain't you? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm throwing that buzzbait up against the bank in most situations and into trees, and you know, it, as long as it can touch water, I'll throw it in there. And sure. if they hit it and it's over limbs and under limbs, I want to be able to pull them out of there. 
but you know i've got lighter tackle for for being more precise about fishing you know certain limbs and trunks and things like that it'll be like 12 15 you know 17 pound test at the biggest sure and you just toss it in there set the hook and, and just you try to pull them out right away but if you can't do it you just gotta ease up on them and, and let them wear themselves out sure is there a particular buzz bait that, that you usually default to yeah i've got two if i'm fish if i know i'm fishing for either like four pound spots or big large mouth I really like the big bite baits, buzz bait. They've got one that you can put a toad on it. And to me, that is a very good fish catching buzz bait. It, it hooks up extremely well. Uh, the only problem I have with it is the wire is a little soft, but it's soft for a reason. And, you know, that's so fish can crush that buzz bait and get hooked. Uh, another one that I really like if I'm fishing moving water, it's a company named Hoppies, and they're out of Tennessee. They used to sell them in Academy and Bass Pro. I don't think they do anymore. But you can still order them on the website. It's like four and a half, five dollars for a buzz bait, and they're really good buzz baits. They hook up great, and that, that's my choice for moving water. Okay, and you said hoppies. Hoppies, H O P P Y. H O P P Y buzz baits. I've never heard of hoppies. I guess I'll have to look those up. I've never a buzz bait is one of those baits. Everybody, you know, you, you end up with your confidence bait, and for me, usually that's a spinner bait. And you would think, you know, they they look similar. And you would think that if you was comfortable throwing a spinnerbait, you'd throw a buzzbait too. But I've just never fished a lot of buzzbaits. So tell me, for people who are like me and you don't fish a lot of buzzbaits, you obviously do very well with them. What have you found to be the most successful way to fish that buzzbait once you've got a good one picked out? So I'm not a big believer in cadence for most days. If the fish are active, they're going to eat most things that hit the water. Uh, I've had times of the year where the only way to get a fish to bite it was to to reel it very fast or uh, you know, reel it fast, reel it slow, reel it fast. But I don't think in those situations that that's the best lure to use. So if you're you're getting solid bites on a buzz bait, just stick to whatever you were doing, but don't feel like you have to do anything crazy with it. If you're having to do that, throw something else. And that's my that's just my opinion. Gotcha. But I, in those situations, I'll pick up a frog or a spook to try to get those fish. It gives them more time and you can be erratic with it and then just have it sit there in front of them and that'll drive them crazy. I got you. Do you use with your buzz bait? Do you fish it just how it comes in the package or do you add a trailer to it? Typically, I'll just fish them right out of the package. Now, with the big bite buzz baits, like I said, they come with a plastic toad on it. And once you wear that one out, I, I like to use a Zoom horny toad. Mm -hmm. It's a decent replacement. I got you. I got yeah, you. I, I, I'll fish them until the wire wears out on them, just like a spinner bait. Yeah, so if you swap over, like on those situations like where you were talking about where that buzz bait's not working for you, what's what's usually the next thing in your in your tackle box that you pull out? So if they're if they are trying to eat that buzz bait, but they're not getting it for whatever reason, uh you want to pick up a spook or like I said, a frog or uh what's the river to see? The whopper plopper. Mm -hmm. That way you have those treble hooks on them and you more so snag that fish because a lot of times they're not really trying to eat it, they're just trying to kill it. Right. So they'll Is, hook themselves on those treble mm -hmm. hooks. Is is there a difference swapping from a a big single hook like on a buzz bait to tying on something like a whopper plopper or a spook with those smaller treble hooks? Do you fish those on the same rod or do you switch rods over? I ask because I know in kayak space is usually pretty limited, so I know guys try to, you know, pare down their rod selection. With a whopper plopper, I'm gonna use the same rod with sixty five pound braid, like a medium heavy rod, whatever length you're comfortable with. But now if I move to a spook I'll still use a medium heavy rod, but about 20 pound fluorocarbon or fluorocarbon coated is what would be more ideal to me because those fish, they have to get that spook a lot of times down underwater before you can really set the hook. 
you know, it's not like a whopper plopper where they hook themselves, but with that spook, a lot of times they're just swiping at it and, and striking at it. And you don't know that you always have them hooked ideally. So they'll come up and catch that spook and pull it down and they'll turn on it. And when they turn on it, they'll hook themselves on the side of the mouth typically. But if you have braid, you're going to pull it away from them before that can happen. Yeah, that has, that has definitely been something I've struggled with over the years is, uh, getting a little too quick and a little too aggressive with, with the hook sets there on a lot of your top water baits. And like you said, you're just snatching it straight out their mouth, which is frustrating for, I'm sure it's frustrating for the fish, but it's frustrating for me too. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think there's a perfect answer on that either. I know with frog fishing, people are really adamant, you know, you count to five or count to 10 or count to whatever before you set the hook. But in some cases, that fish is just, it's never going to have a good grip on that lure. It, it doesn't matter when you set the hook. I, I'm a firm believer in setting the hook as soon as it goes underwater. Yeah, it, it's, and I, I think there's times where both work. And I, and I can tell you, even fishing live bait, freeline and shiners and stuff like that, sometimes it seems like you give them plenty of time to run with it. And then you go to set the hook. And I guess they just don't have it situated right. I guess you're never going to have a 100% hookup rate and a, you know, once I started fly fishing a little bit, it kind of changes, you know, with a, with a quicker hook set. So I know it can vary, but, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'd, I'd, I'd pay money to whoever could tell me definitively if you were better to let them eat it or set the hook immediately. Yeah. I, I don't have an answer on it. I know during practice, I will not set the hook. If I'm in an area that I plan on fishing, if I get a bite, say if I'm fishing a jig, I will not set the hook on that fish, and I will reel that fish all the way up to the kayak without setting the hook because they will not let go of it. And yeah. it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> and once you figure it out, if you like me, by the time you figure it out, they're going to change it the next time you go out. But uh, Yeah, yeah, that's fishing. Yeah, that is, that is fishing. Well, tell me a little bit because it's always interesting to me talking to kayak anglers. There's so many different options on your kayak setups and i know everybody from people who paddle you know the big wide stable battleships where they can stand up and fish they got the full pedal drive system and then they've got their electronics installed in it and then i know talking with guys like uh wayne harris he's he's one he's more uh he's a little bit lighter you know he likes a boat that he can get down a creek bank what uh what do you usually fish out of so this year i've been fishing out of a new canoe unlimited quite a bit and it is a yacht I can't lie about that. It's not nearly as heavy as a Hobie or the native Titans. Uh, it's not nearly that heavy. I think out of the box, it's pushing 90 pounds. Uh, with, with everything that I put in it, it's probably closer to 130 or 140, which is still a competitive weight uh, if you're strong enough to, to maneuver that. Uh, but it's got a motor on it now, so I'm very comfortable fishing out of that. And before that, I had a new canoe pursuit with the pedal drive, and it's, uh, it's a longer, more narrow kayak that's much faster. Like I said, that one was still lightweight. I could take it wherever I wanted to, especially the pedal drive on the transom. It was a completely different scenario than having a trolling motor in front where you run into a tree. And now it's a hard stop. But that's what I like about the new canoes on the transom. If you run into a rock or a log, it's going to kick up and you're going to go over it in most situations. But okay. now I also have, I've got one of Wayne's old canoes, actually, <laughs> in my backyard. That's my lightweight throw and go. It's like 45 pounds, I think. It's one that he owned a long time ago, and I bought it off of somebody that bought it from him. So that's kind of interesting. But, but yeah, uh, I kind of I like to have every option that I can possibly have. But typically, if I know I'm, I'm going to be near a lake or fishing big water, I'm going to be in that new canoe unlimited. Well, so tell me a little bit. Obviously, if you've got the trolling motor hooked up to the front of it, then your boat management is 
pretty much the same as somebody in a bass boat, right? Like you can, you can sit there and I know they make, you know, not sure what yours is, but I've seen people that have kayaks and they've got spot lock and, and all of that stuff. And it's really easy to kind of control your position and fight a fish. But if you're sitting there in a paddle or a pedal drive kayak, how do you go about like I've, I have fished in a kayak and I've caught fish in a kayak, but I've never really been into it enough to call myself a kayak fisherman just because I struggle so much, especially in current and fighting a fish. You just end up in some really goofy positions and I just cannot shake myself out of a reliance on a foot control trolling motor. How are you handling that boat in that current with those fish on the line? So a big thing about that is having a boat that tracks really well. If you have a boat that does not track really well, that fish is going to pull you all sorts of directions. But if it tracks well, you set the hook, you reel the line tight, and you have the paddle in your lap the whole time, and then you position the front of that boat to go where you want it to go. And then you can fight your fish without having to worry about being drug into a tree or into the bank. But if you have a, a kayak that, that does not track well, you're going to get spun around, and that fish is going to do what it wants to do. And it would be a huge pain in that situation. <laughs> but most of the time... If you can maintain your position, like I said, that you've got a rod in one hand and a paddle in the other to maneuver yourself to where you think you'll, you'll be safe. Well, that's definitely, that's, that's the kind of advice I'm looking for because I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get into it more because we have some kayak tournaments down here local. There's a pretty active group that fishes here in the Mobile Tensaw Delta where I'm at. Um, you've got a mm -hmm. lot more experience with, with this than I do. So for me and other people, who are looking at maybe getting into it, what are some what are some tournaments that you've fished in and that you've enjoyed? Is there anything coming up this year that you'd recommend people keep an eye on? Yeah, if anybody can jump on it, coming up this weekend is the River Region Kayak Anglers out of the Montgomery area. Uh, they have a tournament on the Alabama River above the RF Henry. Uh, that I know that would be short notice for a lot of people, but that's this weekend. And then next weekend, or the weekend after next on the 29th, uh, Iron City Kayak Anglers is going to have a youth tournament in Leeds, Alabama. So if anybody has some kids and they have some kayaks and they want to get out there and have some fun, uh, that would be that would be fun for the kids. It's 11 and under, and then 12 to 16 are the age groups, if anybody would be interested in that. And then a lot of these updates, you can find them at the Yak Shack uh, through their Facebook page or the River Region Facebook page, Iron City Kayak Anglers Facebook page. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and name the rest of the groups, if you don't mind. Sure. Coleman Kayak Anglers, they have a Facebook page, Coosa River Kayak Anglers, and North Alabama Kayak Anglers. And then, as you mentioned before, the guys down on the in the Mobile Bay, uh, I think there's two groups started down there now. Is that right? There there may very well be. I know that, that kayaking, once it kind of exploded, you know, I guess about 10, 15 years back, down here, everybody, it seems like you have more kayak anglers some days than you have, you know, people in, in glitter boats. So there may be two by now. I think it was Mobile, Alabama Kayak Anglers and Mobtown Kayak Anglers. Yes, yes, you are correct. I have I have seen both of those groups. You're correct. Yeah, I think Mobtown is more active these days. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I see them on Facebook a pretty good bit here local. I keep up with some of their stuff. What would you re what what else do you need if you, if you've got a kayak and you've got fishing gear? Is there any special gear that you need to get in on these tournaments? Yeah, you have to have a catch board for most of the groups in Alabama. They're an American company, everything made in the United States. Uh, Catchboard USA, they have a website, uh, and I know you can buy them at the Yak Shack, and I think you can buy them at, oh, goodness, All-Star Outdoors in Centerville. I know I think that's where you can buy them local at. But Catchboard USA, they, they make a measuring board. You lay your fish on that board, you take a picture of it. 
Uh, and you, you can do that with your phone. And on your phone, you'll either have Turning X, which is an app, or Fishing Chaos. And through that app, you upload the picture of that fish. And at the end of the day, tournament directors will go through all of those fish and judge the fish. And you find out who won, just like you would a bass tournament. But no one has to bring fish to a weigh-in. It's all done through pictures. That that definitely sounds like the way of the future to me, especially like you were saying earlier. It's so hot down here. And I know the local ramp by my house, everybody, you know, most of the anglers that I know are really conscientious um, about how they land and handle fish and trying to keep them alive and, and alive well. But I know it's just really hard to prevent some some die off. And that seems to me like a really good way to, you know, to have a metric where you can have a tournament and compete and have fun and enjoy the resource and everything, but also get that fish back in the water where he needs to be a little bit quicker. That sounds like a really good way to do things. I know that's happening on some lakes where you can't remove fish from the lake. You can't have them in the live well at all. So they're doing catch photo release. I don't know if it'll ever happen in the big tournaments. It probably won't because that, that weigh-in is, is so special to, to so many people. But it would be it would be better for the fishery if we quit putting them in live wells for tournaments, if you're, if you're eating the fish or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jacob, it has been a, a pleasure talking to you. I could I could talk about fishing all day, and, and I know a lot of our listeners could. But we do try for the people on the commute. We try to keep these uh, down to 45 minutes or so. But let's, let's definitely, I've enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate you being on the show. And uh, I'd definitely like to hear more from you in the future if you got time. Yeah, anytime you want to. I enjoy being on it. Yes, sir. You have a good rest of your day. Thank you, sir. You too. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They love trade-ins for boats and motors. They can rig your boat or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. They have factory-trained and certified technicians. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907 zip code, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. Alrighty, guys, last but most definitely not least, we got Dip McMillan down here on the Mobile Tensaw Delta. Dip, how you doing this evening? Doing pretty good, Nick, buddy. How about you? Oh, man, I'm I'm eating this cold weather up, man. I'm ready to go deer hunting. What I'm talking about, man. I am. I say I'm not enjoying this rain. I'm ready for it to go now, but we definitely need this rain for sure. Yeah, I was... uh. Man, I was I was sitting there in the yard the other day, and I went to pour out a bucket of, of water, and the ground in my yard was so dry that it just ran off. It was like you'd poured it out onto asphalt. I mean, just not a <laughs> drop of it soaked up into the ground. It's just, it's just so dry, man. It's baked like brick in my backyard. So. I agree, man. That's everywhere, buddy. But I think this the last two days, I think we got a pretty good rain, especially down here in South, South Baldwin County. So I think we'll we be have. here for a while. We have, and it's been a steady soaking rain, too, at least where I'm at. It hasn't yeah. just gully washed, but it's just been a steady drizzle for two days, which is just what the doctor ordered. So yeah. how uh you think that rain's going to impact any of the fishing down here? You think it's going to change it for better or for worse or just kind of be more of the same? It's going to be probably more of the same. Um, the rain down here, the constant rain we've been getting don't affect our river stage. So I was looking at it today. um on my lunch break, the river stage ain't going to change at all with, with this rain. So it ain't going to affect the bite at all, man. So no, no I, I want it to rise just a little because 
um, the the river level right now is low. I mean, it's 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 tremendously low. So I want it to rise a little bit for sure. Yeah, I was I was talking with somebody the other uh, the other week talking about kayaking into some areas, and uh, we got talking about Bayou Jasmine. Man, I imagine you could probably walk into some of them places like that with nothing but a pair of hip boots. It's it's definitely dry. I was actually out uh since I know you're familiar with the area. I did about eight miles on the upper delta last week, just kind of doing doing a little bit of scouting. And in eight miles, I, I can tell you that in all the years I've been hunting up here, I have never seen the delta that dry. All everywhere that usually holds water, all them little ditches and stuff, and them little unmarked creeks that you see on that drive-in section, uh-huh. dry as a bone, man. I mean, there's hardly yep. a mud puddle out there, so never seen it like that before so it's uh that's what i'm saying we definitely need this rain definitely well how's uh how's the bite so far is there are they starting to pick up with the water cooling off yeah the um the water this past weekend rolled at water temperature around 66 67 degrees and them fish was hungry man they were very very aggressive and they was um they finally coming off structure now and it's suspended water so we um that's when I like to talk with my spider rig, man. And it was on fire, man. It was a, I guess these fish right now are feeding on shad. So anything that I was using at the ATX jig that looked like a shad, they was knocking a fire out of it. I took a guy Sunday who that worked with me. He wanted to go get on some, man. And I'm telling you, we, we caught a few fish, 15 to 16 inches. And that's a big fish for the tensaw by far. That's a really big fish for the, for the tensaw. I can I can definitely see them moving out there to to feed on some of them shad in the more open water because I was riding up uh I was riding in my boat the other day and uh man there was you could tell there was shad everywhere you know on my little boat you can actually you know you you can hear when you hit them on the hole and you can hear when you catch one and you prop and uh I could see them on sonar and I went I went through mm-hmm. an area where it seemed for about a mile it was just nothing but but shad jumping at the surface of the water so I imagine that mm-hmm. there's just a feeding frenzy right now in some of those waterways are you you talked about about spider rigging and and catching fish suspended are you mainly on some of these bigger you know lakes here on the mobile tensile delta are you up on the main river are you back in the creeks where do you usually go this time of the year well i definitely don't fish the main river this time of the year at all um i'm definitely in, in the lakes and on the side creeks that um the lakes that's inside the lake and um and these fishes in is in eight to twelve foot of water. Mostly the main target been eight to nine foot. And all I do with spider rigging this time of the year, Nick, I just zigzag. Zigzag back and forth in that in that depth all the way down. And you're gonna pick them up um here and there in some spots better than others. Um, like I said, these fish are suspended, so they're gonna be all over. And I was using anything look like a um a shad. So ATS got a um a jig out called Old Smoky, and I'm gonna tell you I made a firm believe out of the guy that worked with me. He bought a few packs that bought well bait and tackle because that Old Smoky bait with the split tail and the tube. You got one of them called the uh, Old Smoky with the tube, like a flat tube bait, and it was just slap putting them in the live well, man. And um and also I use a pink hook too, and I think that pink hook plays a lot in it too. I really do. Uh, I'm, a, I'm just a pink hook guy or a chartreuse guy with the number two sickle hook so i think that play a big role in it too the way i fish i mean everybody's different but the way i fish man i'm telling you it plays a big role in my setup i'm curious to ask i was talking with jason whitehead up on the tennessee river earlier in the show 
and he mentioned that they were coming out uh, one of the companies that he was working for they were coming out with some tungsten jig heads that showed up better on on live scope i know that you use live scope is that something that you've looked into some of the new tungsten jig heads that they're coming out with i haven't and, and nick to be honest with you i don't have live scope on my boy live scope is on my boat right now but i don't have it plugged up because my update is gone my buddy's supposed to be sending me a um a chip to put in there and, and do my update well sim card do my update so I don't have a live scope right now. I'm just going back to the old school way. What, man? Everybody knows you can't catch fish unless you got live scope dip. Come on now. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I I love my old school way, man. Uh, that's why I say I'm not going to stay at the house because I got live. I don't got live scope, so I just <laughs> go back and yeah, enjoy it the way I used to before I got all that technology. There we go. There we go. I still want to say at some point I've been keeping out on YouTube channel. I want to see you get out there when. One of these days in your old uh, 12-foot John boat, like you, you say that you used to go out there up on French Lake and stuff like that. And I want to see you get out there with just a cane pole and a bucket full of shiners and see what you can do. Yeah, that's old school way, yeah. <laughs> well, I got no to ask, I got ask too. So I was, uh, I was coming out the woods last night, and uh, I saw about eight raccoons. Uh, have, you, have you been taking that, that new dog out any? I haven't, man. Oh, the new dog, she's young. She's probably about eight nine weeks old now but my 22 what 23 month old pup i haven't took her out in a while now man she got she's in heat so man so that just got me down right now man i'm and i want to go so bad nick oh man it's eat me <laughs> up yeah i've uh i saw some the other day and i, I see them i mean you know you run into them if you're up there deer hunting you'd be driving out in the evening and they'll be driving in so it seems like uh seems like with the swamp dry i don't know you tell me i, I guess would it dry I guess it at least make it easier to hunt, wouldn't it? Does that does oh. that spread them out when it when it dries up? Do they spread out in the swamp more? Is it better to hunt them in high ground or low ground? I like to hunt them that water low like it is now. Them coons is all on the banks. I mean, they all on the banks eating at them because there's no ponds in the woods now. So they got to go to water. They got to be about water. So they all on the banks eating no clamshells and crawfish and stuff. So. This time of the year, while this water low, man, you can even strike a coon. Time you dock on the bank and let your dog go, um, he or she is on the coon. So it don't take them long at all to strike a coon this time of the year because, like I said, they're just feeding up along the banks. And the last time I've been up there, that what was happening. I mean, just thousands of coon tracks on them lit mud flats. They're just trying to find water, too. Yeah, it's definitely. I think it's going to shape up. Uh, I, I'm excited. The past couple of times I've been up there, I've I've liked it. It's been easy to get to a lot of the stuff. I noticed that the hogs that I was finding anywhere where there was just a little bit of water still holding some of them old creek beds, there were still some hogs up in there making some wallas come up across some otters. And and something else that I really noticed that I'm looking forward to this year is the wood ducks. Good deal. You know, they've got to be on those creeks. They can't spread out. All the Tupelo ponds are just, I mean, powder house dry. Uh -huh. So it's just really concentrating all them wood ducks. So I'm hoping that'll hold out for another week or two until we get our season going. I seen on Facebook too, I, I got to ask you, I seen, uh, looks like you've been, been doing some of your Dippy Outdoors youth hunts and putting some kids on some deer. How's that been going? Oh, man, that's went, I mean, last weekend we had a blast, man, uh, I was able to take my little girl on um, Friday evening to my place in Thomasville, and we got on got on a lot of deer. But the one she wanted to shoot, um, he came out late, and he stood behind a tree like the like he stood behind that tree for five hours, Nick. And um, <laughs> and when he walked, by, when he finally made a couple of steps past the tree, it got too late, man. 
And um, she didn't want to take the shot. She only nine years old, and she killed her first buck by herself at, I want to say, six. So she knew how to shoot a gun. I mean, she's a natural. And I said, if you're not comfortable with it, I mean, we're not going to push the issue. So she didn't She didn't make the shot. And I said, okay, we'll come back. We got all year. So we left that hunt, came back down here um Baldwin County Saturday um, morning, and I took a guy out there to one of our awesome spots out there at Steelwood, took a little boy and his dad, and, man, we saw over 40 deer, and he ended up shooting a big doe. That's awesome. That little girl, that's uh, that's cool to hear, to hear you say that, that she held off on the shot. That's that's something that yeah, I know a lot man. of grown men that could, could use, they could learn that this year. So Yeah, it made me tickle, man. And she wanted and She got the fire to go. And we went back Saturday evening, got on some more deer, but seen a small three-point and a lot of does and she, she got her mind. She want to shoot that big buck. So that's what we're going to do, I guess. There we go. There we go. Well, that's awesome. And then uh, I I know, too, I saw a little bit. I was scrolling through Facebook, and I saw uh, it looks like you got you some new hats uh, in, in stock at some of the places that carry them. I see now. I know that uh, for a while you've been working with the guy over there at Delta Life Apparel, you know, doing some hats and the proceeds going towards Dippy Outdoors. But I, I was uh-huh. eyeballing that new Dippy Outdoors logo, man. It looks pretty sharp. Man, it looked awesome. And matter of fact, David is a guy that helped me with these hats. David is a tremendous sponsor for Dippy Outdoors Kids, and he's just an awesome person. And uh, and me and him been talking, and that's who told me to uh, pursue this right here. And he helping me with all these hats and the um, the patches and everything. So I give all the credit to David at um, Delta Life Apparel. And you know, like these hats right here too. They still support the kids' um, giveaways and um, the kids' crop tournament tremendously, man. And um, all these giveaways, man, that's what the hats proceeds go to. Awesome, awesome. Well, what what would be, Dip, before we wrap up, I guess for this weekend, if you got somebody who's going to go out there and if they've decided they're going to set this uh, the gun deer opener out, I know there's a lot of people who want to make the gun opener, and then there's equally as many people like myself who try to stay out of the woods on the opener just to keep their blood pressure down. So, uh I may go do a little bit of crappie fishing myself. What what would you recommend without getting into into you know too crazy details? Is is there a general location that you think may do good this weekend on the Delta? I'm a, I think I'm 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 debating too. I think I'm gonna be on the Delta this weekend. The bite is too Nick. I I got a place I can hunt all year long. So um, and it's no pressure. I'm me and another guy on one hunt it. So I'm like you, man. I'm gonna be on the Delta this weekend chasing them crappies. You can lunch at Cliff Landing. You can lunch at um, Overleaf. That McAvoy River's on fire now. Um, Mac Reynolds, Dennis, Mifflin. I mean, even Hubbard's right now is on fire. I made lunch at Live Oak this weekend. Uh, all those areas on fire. But if you're going to fish, if it was me, I would target 8 to 12 foot of water. I would zigzag on structure. Some are going to be on structure and some not. I would zigzag, and I would also would use anything with a uh, look like a shad or got a chartreuse tail on it. I did have a lot of success with a chartreuse tail on my on my bait that looked like a shad. Did have that. Um, the orchid jig from Botwell Bait and Tackle was on fire too. That was another bait that was catching uh, just as many um, as the um, ATX Old Smoky. And um, we caught them on the minnows too. But our big big fish came off a jig the orchid shad and the old smoky i will i will target those creeks i'm off the tinsel um like i said mifflin all the way up to briar lake um briar creek mac Reynolds, all those i will target them and i will fish an eight to twelve foot of water and uh i guarantee they'll find the fish the fish is hungry right now and that's why i think that's what i'm gonna be at this weekend 
Well, I may, I may give it to go myself. I will tell you, I know you mentioned that you was going to launch out there at Live Oak, and I'll, I'll tell you this, and you probably know, but some of our listeners listening may not be aware of it, but they are uh, the county with the water being low. They're finally getting around to doing some boat ramp repairs there at Live Oak. So if you go, just keep in mind, usually you got three three ramps, and really it's kind of six ramps, right? Because you can get two. Heck, you could probably get three trucks down each each ramp, you know, if everybody knew what uh-huh. they were doing. Uh, but they're down to one ramp right now. So I'll just give everybody that as a heads up this weekend. They're going to be doing some repairs here for the foreseeable future. So if you go to Live Oak, just uh, budget in an extra few minutes worth of time and uh, just just keep that in mind. You're going to be launching probably one or two at a time at the most on that ramp. Appreciate that info, Nick. Absolutely. Well, Dip, if uh, if folks want to get with you, I know I know you do a lot of stuff taking kids out. If, if folks want to learn more about that, where's uh, somewhere they can check you out at? And they can check me out on my uh, my personal page on um, Dip MacMillan, or my um, or the Facebook page for my uh, for my kids um Dippy Outdoors Dippy Outdoors I, um my phone number's on there and you can peel me on there it don't matter we will get back with you uh, quick as possible. There we go. Well, guys, definitely y'all be sure to check out Dippy. He does a great job helping to get kids out in the outdoors. And uh, Dip, as always, brother, I appreciate having you on the podcast. I appreciate you too, Nick. Man, you have a blessed night, my friend. All righty, guys, let's take a quick break and hear from one of this week's sponsors. All right, folks, that wraps up this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed that little trip down memory lane. When we come back next week, we'll be ringing in 2024 with Bryant Bowen over at Georgia DNR to talk about their Black Bass Slam. I've made it my New Year's resolution to jump over that way and try to knock that out this year. And I'm looking forward to learning more about the 10 and counting species of bass that call Georgia home. Once again, before we go, I'd like to thank all of our listeners, our contributors, and our sponsors. And we'll be seeing all of you guys next year. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. If you'd like for us to email you the podcast, just text FISHING to 314-665-1767. Again, just text the word FISHING to 314-665-1767. Subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the new show each week. This week's episode of the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report has been brought to you by Fish Bites. Whether you're hitting the sand with set rig or fishing the flats and marshes for speckled trout, redfish, and flounder, Fish Bites has something for you. Check out the full line of scented saltwater and freshwater baits at fishbites.com. Also brought to you by... L&M Marine. L&M Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats to pontoons to bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. You can visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or give them a call at 251-937-1380. Also by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. Schedule an obligation-free consultation today. Call 1-888-830-POND or info at sepond.com. And brought to you by KillerDock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to see more.